As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today's episode is brought to you by Romer Skincare. Based out of Chicago, Romer launched a work-from-home clean skincare line that covers all of your skin needs. They proved that you don't need a million serums and eye creams to get better skin. Why we love them? Clean ingredients and effective results with just a simple three-step routine that you and even your partner can share. Right now, Romer Skincare is offering our listeners 15% off and a gift with your first purchase by using code LISTENER15. That's code LISTENER15 on their website, romerskincare.com. No stress, no clutter, just happy skin. Hello and welcome to the Infectious Group Podcast, part of the Odd Pods Media Network. Recorded at the 33 and a 3rd Music Appreciation Center in Speakeasy, located just outside of Detroit, Michigan. The Infectious Group Podcast is your source for jammy jams, music news, and the best in-depth music discussion. Thanks for joining us. Now here are your hosts. Hello, hello. This is uh, quite a big week for us. We've we've had uh, quite a lot of exciting things going on. I am, so of many course, things. I know so many things. I am, of course, Russ. Along with me for the ride is Michelle and Kyle. As always, um, how are you guys doing? Oh, you know, we good. <laughs> we good. Exciting and overwhelming week yeah. uh, to some extent. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Which is good. Which is good. Uh, we are going to get into our main topic in the second half, as always, and we are delighted to be joined by Kevin Smokler and Christopher Boone, the directors of a great new documentary called. Vinyl Nation that uh, if you know me personally or if you've uh, heard any episode on the show you know that I uh, would you describe me as quite passionate about vinyl? (laughs) Just a little bit. Mm. I mean we're sitting away from I don't know 1300 records or so so I'm gonna nah yeah so you got some room to grow right <laughs> gentlemen welcome to the show oh thanks for having us everybody great to be here yeah, yeah. thanks so much we uh it's almost it's really hard for me to cut myself off talking about the doc because I loved this film oh my gosh it was so good yeah I yeah, loved it yeah it was it was awesome yeah Thank and, you. Uh, and we'll, we'll get we'll get into a lot of why later but it was uh for me it wasn't the typical uh, vinyl documentary that I've seen, and I mean that in absolutely the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we will we will get into that in a little while. Uh, what we're going to do first is talk about some of the cool things that happened to us this week. Like, for example, we made the uh, finals for the Discover Pod Awards, which I am stunned 
by in in the best way. It's so exciting. Yeah, yeah. I so. almost peed a little when you, when you sent us that uh, link to say that we were in the finals. Sure. <laughs> so I've plastered it all over social media. But if you're listening to the show and you want to help us out with that, uh, you and can. And you should go help us out you, with that. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin and Chris, meet Michelle. Uh, you can go to awards.discoverpods.com uh, and you can put in whatever you you can only vote for uh, best music podcast if you want to just vote for us or if you have other favorites on the list you can go through, right through it's real quick five minutes at the most to help us out with that the other thing too is it, it hasn't officially started yet so we're not going to do like a full on ad read but we uh, partnered up with manscaped.com which is pretty cool so actually next week we'll start doing their ad reads and stuff but if our listeners would like to they can already use our discount code which is uh, IGP20 at manscaped.com and you get free shipping and 20% off which is pretty rad and then the other thing is we are I'm told we're in the final 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 stages of ordering stickers is what I hear so close yes so yep 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 so we are you need to follow us on uh, Instagram at infectious groove pod or on Twitter at infectious underscore pod and uh, once we get the stickers in we're going to do a full on blitz and give out stickers to people who are following us on social media in the uh we're going to limit it to the United States for now because we don't want to pay for all these stickers and then pay, you know, a hundred dollars to ship each sticker right. to someone else in another country. So that is everything that's been going on, and it is time to rip through some uh, of the regular segments. Music news. Kyle, what it do? Would it be? Um, well, um, most of you have probably heard that Tony Lewis passed away. And those of you who don't know who Tony Lewis is, he was the uh, singer for the Outfield. Yeah, I and was, those of you who don't know who the Outfield is, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I was going to say, if anybody is listening right now and they go, "Who's Tony Lewis?" I have uh, just a few words for you. Josie's on vacation, far yes, away. Yes, yes, the, uh, that is what they're most famous for. And I don't know if it was fortunately or unfortunately, but like a year or so ago, we got to go see them. Yeah. Most fortunately, <laughs> no, we had a good time. Yeah. It was just the environment was odd. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Have you guys, Kevin and Chris, have you guys ever? gone to what i call that show like the uh music festival that's um at i don't know like a parks and rec center you know what i mean like the, you know what i'm saying so and the one where you're you're either listening to one person on an acoustic guitar on a, on a 45 acre lawn with 10,000 other people yes. or you're listening to like the 19 piece like west african percussion band in the room with, in the room with the tin walls or yep. something like that yeah, yeah i've been to both of those shows <laughs> yeah <laughs> So we were just, you know, we're, we love that song like many other people do. So last year we were just like, oh, that dude's playing like 15 minutes away, you know, let's yeah. go. And so we went and saw him and it was one of those things where when it came across that he passed and young too, 62, yeah. you know, so. Say it uh, isn't so, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was just, I just played that LP last night and every time that song starts, I'm like, oh, I always forget what a jam this is too. Yeah. So, it's a banger. It totally holds up. Yeah. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. So you hear that song. I, I want to say, I don't want to overestimate it, but about a hundred times a day between radio and general public. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, you hear that song all the time. Yeah. So, or, uh, or rather, at least your love. And then yeah. Say It Isn't So gets played quite a bit. But I've been on that. Casey Case of My Heart radio mm-hmm. kick, and boy, do you hear a lot of outfield on that. Because, I mean, they were, you know, huge in the mid-80s. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. 
So and all the way you hear the song all the way up and down the charts. So you hear like you know you know entering the chart at number thirty five, then you hear it go all the way to number one for over three or four weeks, and then <laughs> right. all the way back down. You know. So, anyways, you know, I mean, we of course don't mean to make light. It was just one of those things where it was like you know one of those oh we just saw that dude you know oh and he was sixty two you know. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was yeah. trying to remember if that was the last concert we ever went to. No, um, but it uh, no, was, Parker Millsap was. I know. And then, and then Kyle and I went and saw Garth Brooks by ourselves, oh, so you yeah, could just sure. sleep at home instead of at the Garth oh, no, Brooks I concert. Um, <laughs> Kevin and Chris, just to let you in on that on that joke, uh, it is a running gag, but it is very true. Michelle fell asleep once at a Garth Brooks concert, so we left her out of this last one. Like during, like like while it was happening. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Russ can probably tell you exactly what song was playing when oh, she fell asleep. It, it was the river. <laughs> so like <laughs> the whole place is all standing up, lighters out, people are crying and hugging and all singing. Twenty thousand. I'm sorry, nineteen thousand nine hundred and ninety nine people singing along, and Michelle was sitting in the row behind us. I turned around, look, and she was just sleeping like a baby. <laughs> Just out. <laughs> I have a lot of tequila. Yeah. It happens sometimes. <laughs> Everybody else gets all wild on tequila. You, you, <laughs> you go nut night. You don't want to see me on tequila and fall asleep. <laughs> Man, that girl's wild on tequila. Oh, oh, word, what happens? Man, she goes right to bed. <laughs> Wait a minute. Not in the way you want her to. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah. All right. So in any case, what else is going on? This may also no. It is also unfortunate news. Um, there, <laughs> there is a rumor that uh, Miley Cyrus is working on a cover Metallica album. Okay, so before we even speak on this, <laughs> I'm going to defer to Kevin and Chris. Uh, guys, what do you think about this news that Miley Cyrus is working on a Metallica cover album? I throw no shade at anybody, uh, so I, I don't. It could be brilliant. So until I hear it, I got. I'm going to reserve judgment. Right on. I just. Can't, I don't. For some reason, I can't get with her voice at all. And I'm sorry, I cut you off, Kevin. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say, I'm based here in the Bay Area, so you see a lot of, like, riffs and interpretations on Metallica around here. Oh, for here. sure, yeah. Yeah, um, Metallica plays really frequently with the San Francisco Orchestra, and, like, that that works. Like, like, like Enter Sandman is, like, is like two, two rock and guitar riffs away from a, a classical number. I mean, like, right, it's yeah. Fun. Um, certainly long enough to be a classical number, but, um, the, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I don't, I'm like Chris, I don't, I, I withhold judgment until I actually hear it because like strain great. Um, but I, I'm not going to be like the first one in line to get it or something. Right. I can't say that I have a complete Miley Cyrus nor Hannah Montana collection on vinyl <laughs> at this point in time, but Again, I will reserve judgment. This could this could be the one. And I and I heard. In all honesty, we were just talking with uh, this past week. We had a town hall, a virtual town hall, and we had Audrey Fix Schaefer, who uh, is behind the nine thirty club and Meriwether Post Pavilion in the D.C. area, and she's also part of the National Independent Venue Association. They just had their Save Our Stages Fest mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. And Miley Cyrus uh, did her set from Whiskey A Go Go, and apparently, like, blew the roof off the place with nobody there, and it's and it's like made international headlines. I have well, to damn. check it out. So, so again, like, go check that out, and then you might be like, bring on Metallica, Miley. Like, yeah, let's see, go. I, and I, you know what? And Billy Ray might come in for a remix on it too. Yeah. So, <laughs> again, that's true. It could, I, it could be the first in my collection. Yeah, I do I, actually have a lot of respect for her. It, it's not exactly. She's not exactly. You know, my taste, but I, I won't lie. I will sing along the party in the USA when it comes to <laughs> Who doesn't, though? My, my exactly. big jam for her was uh, the, uh, the Climb. 
Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. And of course, I don't. I doubt she wrote it, but damn it, what a good song. And I don't dislike exactly, exactly. I was like, we are going. I think we've actually just determined we're the first five pre-orders of this. <laughs> Metallica. I think Kyle didn't we've you? You ordered the super ourselves. deluxe, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I got Kyle, the super deluxe version. Yeah, Kyle ordered. ordered the super deluxe. So he's <laughs> there's been a, they're, they're like all infectious pod. Cast listeners are suddenly going to like just line up for this album. And we see, have done Miley a favor. I, right. I don't dislike her because I I love her cover. Well, the where she uh, sang Jolene with Dolly Parton. Mm. Um, oh, I also yes. they just posted um, her singing um, Pearl Jam. What? I what? Pearl Jam one no, the um, oh, I gotta go find yeah, Hold on, on. Was it Pearl Jam or REM, Michelle? It was Pearl Jam, <laughs> and it was on TikTok, and so that's where I saw it at. So I saw it yesterday. See? I was talking about the, the zombie cover that she did. Yeah, I didn't like the cranberries one. Yeah, yeah see, you, you said you didn't like it, but I thought it was fantastic. That was but, one of my things where I don't like the source material, so I don't care yeah, about the cover of it. Like, I don't like that song. What? Hey, everybody, again, welcome to the Miley Cyrus fan <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Only covers, though. We've we jumped only the rails here. Covers. <laughs> only covers. <laughs> no originals. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, Thanks for joining us. Uh, <laughs> we, yeah, so to remind everybody, we need you to go to manscaped.com. <laughs> and, and I have to assume that by the next episode, we'll be able to announce our partnership with MileyCyrus.com oh, yes, 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 as well. that'd be yep, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so what else we got for news? Um, the Flaming, this did not happen this week. And I think it happened last week, um, but we forgot to mention it last week. The Flaming Lips did a in-person concert, and they were all uh, wearing Bubbles. This is the best way to describe it. So I want to correct you on how you're reporting that. I think what you meant to say is the Flaming Lips stole our idea. <laughs> yes. Yes. We that is what I actually meant to say. We clearly mentioned being, that on I the was, show. I was being nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I, what you, you're not so much with the idea or what do you feel about see, it? See, like I said before, something needs to happen because people need to go see live music. Yeah. But... For me, that takes the enjoyment out of going to a live show. Right. Like having I, to me, it adds to it. I, throw me around like a beach ball. <laughs> I want to. I want to be like the beach ball that gets. I'm get my fifteen dollar beer through my bubble. Oh, <laughs> maybe a funnel, maybe some sort of funneling system. Just have funnels oh, at the top. Ooh, beer bong. Zippy cups. So, yeah. There you go. There you go. Would, would I go to a sh- if there was one r- around here and they, that's how that was set up? Would I go absolutely, absolutely yeah. just to experience what it was like to oh, go to God. one? I, I, sh- I would go. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd uh, get my uh, bubble signed. Like I, <laughs> I don't think you need to keep the bubble. Yeah. Oh, come on. I'm keeping that. But if I'm going in the bubble, I'm keeping the bubble. You just run out of it with your bubble on. What, what do you guys think, Kevin? Uh, would you? Would you? First of all, what do you think of the idea, and would you participate? I would absolutely participate. Um, just like I, I might not even need the flaming lips. I might just just take the bubble and spend the whole time like like doing fun it. things with the bubble. Yeah. Um, I look forward. I, I look forward to your TikTok video of you uh, grocery shopping in a bubble. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I I saw an. I saw the Flaming Lips as the headliners of an early manifestation of Lollapalooza mm-hmm. when it dropped anchor in Chicago um, oh, yeah. uh, 10, 14 years ago, something like that. I think it was 2006. So this might have been 2008, 2009. And, and they were fantastic, as you'd expect. And, and it was like one of those things you were talking about earlier where it was like wrong band, wrong show. Um, they played at six o'clock in the evening and it was a beautiful summer late afternoon in Chicago and everybody there had been like on their feet for nine and a half hours, you know, yeah. watching mm-hmm. the rest of, watching the previous three days of the concert and drinking and eating bad food. And like, I was with my, my best friend and he's like, I'm going to go right up front. And I'm like, I'm not <laughs> sweet. I'll wait for you here. Yeah, And so I sat down under a tree 
and promptly fell asleep. And, uh, hey. and, and I'm sure it was a great show. But like, we just became best friends. <laughs> but I can say definitively, they didn't play anything super rockin' like Flight Test, which would have woken me up. Right. Instead, it was all like really sweet, soft, symphonic stuff like Do You Realize, which, which again, is beautiful music, but like, not after you've been not after you've been standing up for the entire weekend. Yeah, it's like uh, man, I had the wildest dream. I was at Lollapalooza, but the Flaming Lips were playing. You know, like, <laughs> hey, I don't remember much of it. It's all a blur. Uh, That's pretty much what happened. Yeah, uh, Chris, how do you, how are you feeling about the bubble idea? Are you going to a concert in the bubble? I, I can't say that I am. I love I love the images from it. I think it's a it's a wild and crazy idea. The idea, I mean. I'm too old now to want to get up front with all the hot, sweaty people without bubbles. Like, I don't want to be my own hot, sweaty person in my own bubble. Like, that's, that's not for me. But it did remind me of, though, something, like, super trippy. When I was in grade school, <laughs> my my music teacher had basically a giant plastic bubble that he like he inflated in his room his room became a plastic bubble and we would like do music class like in his homemade plastic bubble i have no idea why you'd had this i would well that's awesome that was my first question was why like do you remember like in gym class sometimes we used to have the parachute yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it was kind of like that but the entire room like it's kind of what it felt like and again i have no idea what what made him do that? And he only brought it out like twice a year, but it was like today he said we're in the bubble today. And I was like, what? <laughs> so you're kind of, you're kind of having like I hadn't a, thought of it. I hadn't thought of it in years until I until I saw some of these images. So the, like, the bubble thing would be like a flashback for you. You're like, I don't want to go back in the bubble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like had this crazy dream that I was at Lollapalooza and my music teacher was there and he threw in the bubble. <laughs> and the flaming lips were there. It was, <laughs> it was, it was trippy, man. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to a concert in the bubble. Yeah. And, and I'll say if at all possible, if at all possible, just roll no me down. No matter who it is. Oh, I don't care. I'll go see Creed in a bubble. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. wow. Yeah. Just, just to go and say I was in a bubble. I am curious what it sounds like. Oh, oh, I, didn't, damn I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Did it's you say that the Flaming Lips were actually in the bubble too? Like they were yes, all. they're in their own so bubble. So like how, I don't understand how that works then. Well, they like have wireless microphone But how technology. does it get into you, into your bubble? Through. Well, that's, I mean, what, what you're going to, vibrations will penetrate the plastic. It's not through <laughs> bubbles. No, 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 but really it's not going to sound good. Yeah, the concept's not underwater. It's going to sound, do, it's gonna sound weird. I do wonder how the plastic muffles it. Now, then, then again, I am that guy that wears foam earplugs to concerts because it's so freaking loud yeah. and it kills and it damages your ears. And so I put them in and it's like the, the perfect diffusion. And it's like, now all the distortion is gone and I can hear it fine. And then when I'm done, I take them out. Yeah. I've been to too many concerts as a teenager. Where I was like, why didn't I wear the ears? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As a teenager, I, I woke up most mornings with my ears totally ringing like and i'm sitting yeah. at the yeah. breakfast table am i talking loud <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and that doesn't come back man that's the problem so yeah. it's like oh, you learn that lesson too late in life so, yeah anyway everybody at the breakfast table was like so the tool concert was good i guess <laughs> since you're yelling at us so uh in any case moving right along our jammy we always take time to share with you what we're listening to and what we, of course, think you should be listening to uh, by way of our jammy jams. And with me, uh, one thing that I i don't know why, but I got it stuck in my head this week and revisited a ton uh, uh, going back to covers is Ugly Kid Joe, of all people, 
has a fantastic cover of Cats in the Cradle. Now, hmm. like, I want to frame it up, though. It's Ugly Kid Joe doing yeah, Cats yeah. in the Cradle. So it sounds like, you know, a quote-unquote hairband doing Cats in the Cradle. But it's a really rocking cover of it. Hmm. So I've been listening to that a lot. I was talking to a friend the other day. And it was one of those things where if if Ugly Kid Joe ever crosses my mind, it's everything about you is what I think of. Yeah. And a friend of mine mentioned it. Just in casual passing, and I was like, "Holy shit, I forgot about that!" And I'm like, "I uh, I have a seven inch single for that." And, uh, <laughs> Cats in the Cradle cover, so I busted that out, and it's been stuck in my because I mean it's a great song in the first place, and then their cover of it being a little more rock is sweet. And then yesterday was a uh, birthday of National Treasure Weird Al Yankovic, so mm-hmm. I've been listening to a ton of Al. You you've been through this before. If I put on one Weird Al song, you're in for four hours. Yeah, then I leave. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like Weird Al. Yeah. Well, I just go through all the layers with everybody. I'm always like, okay, here's the parodies that you've heard. Here's the ones that are freaking amazing that you've never heard. Uh, now let me take you down to what I call the second Weird Al level, which is all the polkas. And then we're going to go all the way down. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Down to the, um, okay, here's some originals you should hear. You know, and whenever I play Weird Al originals for people, I feel like uh, I'm trying to get them to listen to my band. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, know, you should really, you should hear us, we're good. You know, here's a CD. Like, people are always like, but I, this doesn't sound at all like a song. I know. I'm like, I know, but it's really funny. They're like, no. Okay. no I'm sure it is, but I don't care to hear this. You know? So uh, uh, for our playlist, I will uh, bless the people with several Weird Al selections. I think one Thank of the most God. underrated Weird Al uh, parodies of all time is Living with a Hernia. The uh, <laughs> instead of living with America by James Brown, yeah. uh, and it's just it's brilliant. And it's off, it's off, hands down, its worst album. But that parody is gold. So, uh, you know, Ugly Kid Joe and Weird Al. That's what uh, yeah, yeah. how things have been going for me. Kevin and Chris, I got to tell you, we this been we've been really looking forward to having you guys on the show, and and I'm certain that the number one thing that you've been looking forward to at coming on the show is is hearing Michelle's jammy jams. So, yeah, here we go. Michelle's going to share her <laughs> jammy jams. <laughs> it's so exciting. Actually, this week, um, I. I've been stuck still on Tom Petty. Um, I've been listening a to good, a lot. I feel like that's of a Tom good place Petty. to be stuck at. It is. I've um, heard he's got some good material. He's got a little bit of good material, um, and so I just put that on uh, Spotify and Shuffle. But I did find um, we like that one song by Jamestown Revival. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's on our playlist. Yeah, yeah. And this came out on another playlist on Spotify, and I absolutely love it. It's called California by them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would highly check, um, suggest that you check it out. Right on. Um, I want to say I bought that LP that I you, think you might have. Yeah, I think I did. And I can't, for the life of me, can't remember what the other song is called. Yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, we, we didn't love a whole lot of the other stuff on that record, I think. But yeah. this, the California song is, is killer. There were two artists that you turned me on to around that same time that I really liked the names of the artist, and that was one. And the other was, um, and I want to say this right, it was um, Jay Roddy, Jay Roddy Watson and the business. business and the business. <laughs> yeah, I just think part. and the business is the best yes. part. Of yes. a, of a so maybe that's who I'm thinking of, but that we didn't like all the rest of it. But this this song is killer, and I would I would definitely recommend you check right it out. Well, everybody's lives have been improved because yep. they've mm-hmm. heard Michelle's mm-hmm. Jamie Jams. Kyle, what have you been listening to? Um, it's been a really podcast uh, heavy week this week. Oh, what do you mean? Yeah, I feel like I switched places with you kind of <laughs> for this week. Um, there's a podcast called Swindled and it's, I want to say like a true crime podcast. It is because it's just about how people get over on other people and swindle them. You'll recognize almost everything that they talk about, the, the yeah. cases of things. It's like, it's like They have the guys, the, the one, one of the most recent ones I listened to was uh, about the guy from Girls Gone Wild yeah. and about how he just stole yeah. a bunch of money from who people. Knew, and who like, knew that guy was <laughs> yeah, yeah. untrustworthy? Yeah. I, and, I certainly didn't see it coming. Yeah. So it's a, it's a fantastic podcast and I found myself listening to just episode after episode after episode like back to back to back until my headphones would die I'd have to charge them and then go back to it again uh, did you see that Sturgill Simpson is the latest artist to receive the Kyle bump I did, yeah yeah when you, 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 you told me that and I was like oh that's awesome yeah, yeah. Kyle has a history of picking them number one <laughs> records or, or rather albums become number one because Kyle picked them I think and it's that just, just so we can add something to the playlist I was uh, listening to uh, the new Weekend album too right that, the, the single that's huge right now and Pardon me for sounding 100, but I don't know the name of it. Is so close to Young Turks by Rod Stewart. Oh, yeah. Every time I hear that song in public, I'm like, oh, Young Turks. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so what, what led me to that? Because I had already, already listened to it when it came out, but I, want, I rechecked it out because he released a music video for Too Late. Mm-hmm. And holy shit, it is. I don't even know how it's on YouTube or how it's allowed to be on YouTube, mm-hmm. but it's violent and vulgar and everything that I like about the weekend's stuff. I would advise checking the, the music video out. I would advise that you put your kids to bed first. Sure. If you, yeah, and it is fantastic. NSFW, if you will. Yeah, it's very NSFW. Uh, after the show, will you please explain to Michelle what YouTube is so that she can <laughs> yes. see it as well? <laughs> He already uh, yeah. showed me or told me about it. It's fine. Right on. Yeah. So that, that led me to jumping back into the entire album, and I just listened nice. to it front to back. Sweet. Uh, we will circle over to our guests. Uh, Chris, uh, we'll go to you first. What What are your Jamie Jams? What have you been listening to? Oh, God. Well, you know, uh, recently something I've had on repeat is um, uh, something that leaked, actually. Uh, it's Miley Cyrus covering Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, <laughs> You're going no, to need to send us a link to that. We yeah. need uh, no, yeah, the, the two, I have two, two, 2.5 recommendations. Um, so one is, uh, and this actually ties back to our movie. Um, so uh, for those who have seen Vinyl Nation in the opening scene, there's a band playing at Record Store Day at Mills Record Company mm-hmm. called The Freedom Affair. And they're playing a song called Rise Up. And actually you hear that song, Rise Up, in the most recent Apple Watch ad, which is bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, but That's they, crazy. 
just like a month ago dropped their first full-length album um, called uh, Freedom is Love, and it's available. You can buy it on Bandcamp, and you can find it on all of the other streaming platforms. Um, not on vinyl as of yet, but I hope someday. And it, the whole thing, top to bottom, is is fire. It's, and, it's a, and it's a really interesting, I really do want it to come out on vinyl, not just because I want to own it on vinyl, but it's a really interesting side A, side B type of album. Side A is all heartbreak and like torch songs and just like uh it's so good and then side b is all like positive political activism let's come together and nice. freedom is love is a name they've got yeah it's it, 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 my angelou is sampled on it it's yeah mm-hmm. it's just so it's a very just it's it's fantastic and again if you haven't seen the film the freedom fair is um uh, Kansas City Soul, um, essentially, it's a nine-person band. Um, mm-hmm. so, That's good and, by us. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Three amazing vocalists in front of a six-piece band. So, highly recommend that. And then my other, my other recommendation was, um, uh, so. Sorry if I talk about another podcast, but it's actually not a podcast I'm going to talk about here. But uh, Song Exploder has now moved over to Netflix. And um, just last night, my wife and I uh, watched both the um, REM Losing My Religion episode, which was phenomenal. Just to to check that out. Um, If you even if you're not an REM fan, like just listening to like breaking that song down and revisiting it with the band members and having them actually realize things about the song that they had not realized was, was really cool. And then the episode we checked out is, um, uh, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, talking about, uh, his track, wait for it from Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I'm definitely a big Hamilton fan. My daughter is now applying for musical theater, uh, programs and, uh, at colleges right now. So we, we all like that, but I'm the only one in the family. Like I, that's my favorite song on the album. Aaron Burr's my favorite character, and everyone else is like, eh, I don't really like it. <laughs> I have it now on the record. I have it now on the record that Lin-Manuel Miranda says that he thinks that's the best song he's ever written. I was like, yes, you win. <laughs> so um, that's that's not really a good look, but uh, you know, since I watched with my wife. But actually, the, the episode is fantastic. And what was really cool is he he wrote a lot of uh, Hamilton, especially songs with Washington and Aaron Burr in this mansion in Washington Heights, where he lives and is from that Washington lived in. And you can take tours of it, but there are places you can sit in it. So he would like sit in a chair in a, in like a bedroom. And like, he talks about how like school tours would come through, like touring the place. And he was, like, <laughs> he's rapping to himself with earbuds. in, and, like, That's great. This guy, Just sitting in a bedroom. That's great. Uh, so even if you're not a Hamilton fan, it's uh, it's really a fantastic episode. That's what, yeah, that sounds a thousand percent up my alley. And I've done that before with episodes of, of things like that where I'm like, I don't even really like that artist or that song. But it's worth watching just to hear about the creative process or, or funny stories or, right. or whatever. So, right. yeah. hell yeah, and that's, it's a- it's and, and it's, again, if you're not even into Hamilton, you've never heard it before. The, the song itself is a phenomenal song. So just that alone is just like, okay, cool. Uh, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Right, right on. on. Sweet. Kevin, what are your jamming jams? Uh, I'm gonna, I got two. One of them is a, a riff on, on, on something Russ said at the very beginning of the show. I, I've always had a thing for Harry Chapin, and I think Harry Chapin kind of, kind of gets a bad rap from when he came along. Uh, he, I think he was sort of viewed as like not as creative as Cat Stevens, and yeah. not as, and not as, not as musically talented as Jim Croce, and, um, and it was a little too aw shucks and too earnest for his own good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
There's a great documentary about Eric Chapin that is coming out or just came out called When in Doubt, Do Something, um, which really, I think, sets the record straight on Harry Chapin. First of all, he was a saint of a human being. He played he played 300 concerts a year and half of them were for charity. Hmm. Um, he probably he probably I mean, he probably worked himself to death. He, he died in a car accident when he had a heart attack behind the wheel. And, and when his kids were asked about it, they said the guy never took a break. He ate badly. He probably he probably smoked too much. And, and at, you know, 45 years old, he had a heart attack behind the wheel of a car and died. The best Harry Chapin songs, Harry Chapin also had a phenomenal backing band um, composed of his brother, Stephen Chapin, and I believe a, a sister or a cousin of theirs who sang backup vocals, and an extraordinarily extraordinary vocalist named, um, named Big John Wallace, who had kind of a Paul Robeson, you know, voice of God kind yeah. of kind of vocal style um the songs which make full use of the band are the best harry chapin songs not just the ones with him and a guitar so uh do a little deep digging with harry chapin pay particular attention to a song called mr tanner which features big john wallace almost exclusively on vocals and then a song that he used to close shows with called circle which is which is seven and a half minutes long and is better done live than than in a recorded version nice and it'll give you a whole new sense of like who harry chapin was instead of just like the smiling nice guy you know with the with the tight 70s sweater and the guitar right um the other recommendation I would make is, does the word quito mean anything to you guys? K-W-A-I-T-O. No. No. It didn't mean anything to me until like six months ago. Um, quito, I found out recently, is, is the name of a genre of hip-hop from South Africa. Uh, it is specifically from the immediate post-apartheid time period in oh, South damn. Africa. Hmm. So yeah, it was it was basically when Western music came flooding into South Africa after the dismantling of apartheid. The the parallel to this is what happened in in Eastern Europe after the Berlin Wall fell and the the, the Renaissance that happened to dance and electronic music when, yeah. that, when mm-hmm. that happened. Quito is um, Quito is this weird blend of. Uh, uh, of traditional African rhythms, American style hip hop and Jamaican style dance hall reggae. Um, and it's the kind of stuff where you listen to it and you either want to like dance until you pass out, like, like march in formation with, with like 16 of your friends in uniform or just start like punching shit. <laughs> and we're good either way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it's just, it's just super fun. And it's, it's the kind of, it's also, the, it's, it's like great to play five minutes before you go to the gym. Cause mm-hmm. you'll just feel like, you'll just feel like, find me, find me a semi truck. I want to go, li- I can lift it. Now. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't have a specific artist in mind, but the genre Quito is definitely worth exploring if, like, high-energy, fierce stuff is your thing. Right on. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Well, uh, we, that is a really, really good diverse group of songs we're going to have this week um, yeah so, for sure uh, and just so you guys know in, in like a companion piece to the show we do a Spotify playlist every week where we gather all this stuff together so I'm going to have to say that this is going to be the first time that like Harry Chapin and Weird Al and, and uh, you know this, yeah. this genre that we just got turned yeah. on to of yeah. hip hop are all going to be in the same place right. for a week so that is going to be pretty fun for everybody to listen to I think Right. So cool, man. I'm going to take us to break real quick once we come back from break we are going to discuss this awesome documentary Vinyl that Chris and uh, Kevin put out for everybody to enjoy. We'll be back in just one second. Yeah. 
Here at the 500 Section Lounge, we have a few requirements. First, you need to be able to talk about anything at all. Secondly, you need to be able to laugh, play games, and hang out with some very interesting people. From sports radio personalities to reality television contest finalists and everything in between, we talk to them all right here in the lounge. Be on the lookout for what we do next and sit back, relax, and be there to grab a listen. FYTW podcast. I'm Pantsless Aaron. I'm the host, and we are three silly people playing very silly games for fakey points that don't count for anything. Our permanent team captains are a veteran and a podcaster and a veteran podcaster. It's Stevie. Hey guys, it's Midnight Smoke here. I love being funny, goofy, and I'm here for your entertainment. And his permanent opponent, my oldest friend and a gamer and a storyteller, it's Jorge. Hey guys, Jorge here, uh, HH underscore Empire, and I am the logical voice to this maelstrom of chaos sometimes. Well, if you like silly people playing silly games, then you want to come hang out with us at BFYTW Podcast every week. That's BFYTWpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Dietrich. I'm Alex. And I'm Ben. We're from the podcast That Song from That Movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. We want you to join us on our voyage across the cinematic sound waves as we take a deep dive on a new song and movie each week to figure out just what makes them tick. Already we've set sail with Celine Dion on the Titanic, found a friend in Toy Story, and gotten drenched out in the rain with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hopefully each breakdown allows us to answer the ultimate question of what's better, the movie or the song. Or at least learn something new along the way. Just like learning that Toy Story 4 is a meaningless cash grab without a soul. You can subscribe right now on all good podcast platforms. If you use one of the bad ones, then that's on you, and we can't be held responsible. Subscribe to that song from that movie. And we're back. So we have a big privilege. We've been talking to these guys, Kevin Smokler and Christopher Boone, who brought to the world a fantastic new documentary. And something we were talking about earlier, the name of the documentary is Vinyl Nation. And, you know, I I think I can speak for the three of us. Even if you're not into vinyl, quote unquote, you could watch this movie oh, and have a great time. You you will be into vinyl after watching the movie. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. For, sure. Yeah. Yes. for sure. Well, no, we don't want to scare people off. <laughs> we don't want people to be like, oh, no, I'm going to get a habit. <laughs> you might. <laughs> you know. So, uh, guys, we really appreciate you making the time to, to come and talk to us. And we certainly appreciate you uh, providing us a way to see the doc because all three of us just, like, I know I keep saying this, but we really, really liked uh, the way it was done and how it was done. So, if you guys don't mind, tell us a, a little bit about the movie in general and and what made you decide to make it this is kevin um the the movie uh the movie is is in in short summary a 90 minute exploration of records uh and and the diversification of the kinds of people that are into records the comeback of records over the last 15 years and how records represent the connective power of music um, we got the idea. I mean, the idea was planted many, many years ago when I came into possession of, of a stereo, uh, a turntable and speakers and amplifier for like a song uh, because I was at a dinner party and the host was getting rid of it and really probably just didn't want to see it anymore. And so I walked away with it for 200 bucks, even though I didn't know what to do with it. I wasn't a record person at the time. And then uh, because of that and because of a few choice trips to a few choice record stores, I became a record person not knowing that I had done so at exactly the moment in history when records were um, beginning their comeback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, that was totally by accident. And then I started reading all sorts of stuff about how records were coming back, and I started seeing record stores open, even in places where it's really expensive to open a small business, like in San Francisco where I live. 
Um, and then, you know, by the time by the time Chris and I got reacquainted, Chris and I went to the same college, um, but we were a couple of years apart. Uh, we traveled in the same circles, but our, our time there simply did not overlap that much. Yeah. Um, by the time Chris and I got reacquainted, um, the comeback of records had been going on for 10 years. Uh, and the story about like why it had happened had been told and retold and speculated on and fussed over endlessly. Um, and so the idea of, of, telling that story somehow had completely changed. Um, and when I brought it to Chris's attention, which I did, um, because Chris and it, Chris is an experienced filmmaker and I'm a rookie filmmaker. Uh, and I had seen uh, a movie of his called sense C E N T S, which you can see on iTunes. And I had loved, and I said, this guy not only knows how to make movies, but he's, uh, he's highly organized to know how, knows how to make things happen. Uh, which I don't, um, <laughs> the, the nature of our partnership, Chris likes to say better than I like to say is I have uh, is I have the questions and Chris has the answers. Um, nice. And uh, and so I said I, I've been noodling around with this idea about what does the comeback of records mean now that we're ten years into it and it, it shows no sign of stopping uh, and, and sure enough it hasn't and if there was some uh, if we could tell this story. I think we have to tell it visually because records are a physical manifestation of something that is invisible, music. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think like writing a book or doing a 10-part podcast series is going to do this particular story justice. Sure. And so Chris was like, well, I don't know. That, that sounds like a documentary to me. And I was like, okay, you ever done that? And he goes, no. And I said, well, neither have I. And I said, <laughs> so, so what do we do? And, and he goes, well there's this thing called pre-production where you basically talk a lot and see if in the course of those conversations, um, the stuff you need before you actually start spending money and hiring people, uh, you get, you can put together. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And, and so in the same place, we saw every Friday morning for about six months. Uh, and thankfully, or else we wouldn't have this movie called Vinyl Nation through that process. Um, something resembling a documentary started to take shape. 
Right on. You guys went to a whole bunch of different cities in this documentary, one of which was Detroit, and I loved seeing that. What made you decide on which cities you guys wanted to film it? So we, during pre-production, reached out to our networks to find anybody that we thought made sense to talk to about the film. Some of the issue was just to kind of do research and just get a better understanding about the vinyl industry, vinyl record industry, the comeback, et cetera, but also just talking with people who are longtime collectors of records or just getting into it. And and pretty early on, we, we had a, a bunch of different categories of people that we wanted to include in the film. We wanted to include, you know, young people just getting into vinyl records. We wanted to include parents sharing vinyl with their mm-hmm. kids. We pressing plants, et cetera. And as we were doing that, we made a map on Google <laughs> and we just started dropping pins on that virtual map to see where everybody was popping up because we had the title Vinyl Nation from the moment Kevin brought the idea to me. So if you're going to call something Vinyl Nation, you better cover the nation. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. We, uh, we, knew, we knew we would be doing interviews in, in places like New York and L.A. Kevin's based in San Francisco, so we're going to be doing stuff there. Uh, you know, it's, it's music, so we're probably going to be in Nashville or probably land in Austin. But at the same time, like, we didn't want to only go to those places that you would absolutely expect us to go to. And so we, just, we had to figure out, are we covering the country? So looking at the map would help us step back and say, like, literally, like, what regions of the country are we not, are we not covering? And then if, it, if we were so lucky that we were finding people clustered in certain areas that we could kind of put it together. So it was this combination of covering the whole country, but also we had limited time, limited budget. So we could only logistically, like, get to so many places in so many cities. So... We did get down and do a swing down kind of through the southeast. We got into Orlando, Florida, and out to Merritt Island, Florida, and Winston-Salem, and Durham, and North Carolina, and we swung through. We did do Nashville, but we rode a swing up to Louisville, and from there, we actually, Mm -hmm. that's how we got up to Detroit. But there were other places that we really wanted to get to, and just, again, time and budget, we couldn't. Like, Chicago had been on the map for a long time, didn't make it. Like, Minneapolis, didn't make it. Seattle, Portland, mm-hmm. Cleveland. Like, it, they're just, you could go on and on. You could, we could just keep making this over and over and over and over again. So it was, did we find a balance of covering the country while at the same time having enough people tell the narrative that we hopefully wanted to emerge and ultimately we we think we did uh, uh, most people have said like wow you really go all over the place and i'm only thinking of the places we didn't go to. <laughs> <laughs> right on uh did you notice anything different between the cities and people collecting records there did they have different characteristics or anything no we i mean it was more dependent on whom we talked to um one of the one of the unfortunate realities is everybody who gets into records knows is records take up a lot of room so mm-hmm. um so there were definitely people who lived in places where square footage is more expensive um had had fewer opportunities to have to have like the the the, the, the like basement record store set up you guys have for example mm-hmm. um and then of course we talked to people who were just we talked to a lot of people who were just younger or earlier on in life and and you know we, we had a couple of college students in our movie and for those people like record shopping is like your 20 favorite records by your six favorite bands that go in a milk crate underneath your bed because right. that's all you have space for right. and, you know maybe maybe you have like a little uh, a crosley or a slightly higher end turntable on the on the nightstands next to your bed but I would say that we are far enough long 
along in the record renaissance at this point, that every place we went to, even if it was a giant city or even if it was a much smaller city or even like a fair-sized town, has like a really nice ecosystem of record stores. Yeah. Uh, and that's amazing. Like, like we that I don't think that would have been true 20 years ago. No, um, no. Yeah. No. When we hear, you know, when we get we get emails, even even though the movie's been out for a little while, we get emails to this day from people like people saying, you know, thank you so much for, for, for doing your movie. You know, we represent, you know, four record stores in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And you guys just got it, man. Like, like we didn't go to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Like, like um, yeah. I didn't know there were four record stores in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, but that that's bitching. Like, that's, Hell yeah. 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 Well, it's funny. Rec- w- w- real quick. When you talk about the similarities uh, between places, the film opens with uh, a, what is apparently a typical record store day, the way it, it is handled, mm-hmm. because I, I kid you not, when I first put the film on, uh, I was looking down at something and I was hearing the audio and it could they could have been filming at Dearborn Music here in Michigan. Yep. Like it was exactly like you know one person going down the line to like twenty people. Okay, here's the order <laughs> yeah, that yeah. everything's going to be in. You know, and, and then of course the the obligatory uh, in in the film. It's uh if you're here for the crow and everybody shakes <laughs> yeah. their head yes. You know, and, but you you could have been filming at, at oh, Dearborn Music in Michigan, and it would immediately grab me like. We're all the same, you yeah. know, like, yeah, in, in a good way. I mean, yes. and I'm sorry, Kevin, I cut you off. No, no, I was done. That oh, is I, I was just chiming oh, in, but based on, um, no, yeah, but it's what you're just saying there. I'm, I'm glad that's the way it came across to you because for a long time, Kevin and I kicked around like how how are we going to do record store day? Like we are we are we going to try to cobble get cobble together a bunch of archival footage from the actual day itself in 2019? Are are we going to try to hire? shooters all over the country just to get footage and like maybe do some be- you know interviews themselves I'm like no and and it was in the process of of interviewing people um and we were interviewing a lot of record store owners particularly women who own record stores that we came uh in contact with judy mills and um and judy opened her store in 2013 because she was looking for new vinyl in kansas city and went into a long established record store there and asked if they would have a copy or could get a copy of a new record. And, and they quite literally scoffed at her oh. <laughs> and she walked out and was looking around going, nobody's selling new vinyl. And at that point in time, you know, there were surgeons going on four, five, six years and she'd been in retail herself for a long time said, Psh, this is a business opportunity. So yeah. she opened up Mills record company. And from that first year, she opened, I think right around record store day in 2013 or no, right after something like that. But she's always just gone all out. She orders everything because that's the thing is like record stores have to decide what they're going to order because you can't send it back because you can't send records back period and so some of them really kind of hedge their bets and when they hedge their bets they don't even get what they ordered whereas judy's like nope i'm just i'm going i'm going all in and because she goes all in she gets pretty much what she orders and so everybody knows so she gets people not just from kansas city but she gets people from all the surrounding areas coming to her store and they go to her store first and then they go to the the other mm. record stores to see well what else is going on but it's also because judy is fantastic she's super friendly she talks about how it's all about making authentic connections so when we talked to her on the phone and and she was telling us the stories of like what happens at mills record company for record store day um and it was quite authentic as she was describing it to us we got off the phone and pretty quickly kevin and i were like i I think we have to go to kansas city for, for a record <laughs> store day like, oh, yeah. i think that is where we're going to shoot it and we did wonder like 
is it going to hold up? Like, can one can it can one represent the whole? You know, um, oh, and it, yeah, it does. And and, yep. and and to your point, I'm glad you kind of registered that because we do have later on in the film we talk about the history of Record Store Day, and so we do have the archival footage mm-hmm. there. And you do realize, yeah, it looks a lot. It looks a lot like what we were we were filming there, and yet it's, it, the faces change and mm-hmm. and the street changes and wherever you were because of whatever city is changed, but the experience is universal uh so that's that's great to hear that you guys are like wait a minute yeah absolutely absolutely now (laughs) kyle's got some questions lined up here but uh, i just want to make sure everybody is able to get to sleep tonight because today is record store day that we're recording this and it'll be out two days after record store day but just so you guys can get some sleep tonight and our listeners can i did get my skid row slave to the grind uh (laughs) record store day piece today awesome yeah so i just you know what i mean i don't want I don't want you guys up tonight. Oh my! Did he get a Skid Row record? Yeah, that, yeah. that is music news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could have had that for music news. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do a humble brag. I do have an original pressing of "Slave to the Grind." I just wanted the uh, oh, RSD oh, piece mm-hmm. because it's got, it's on two LPs now with extra songs that weren't on the, the original uh, pressing. Okay. So. I would have gotten by with my original <laughs> pressing if I had to. You would have lived. Yeah, I still had Monkey Business on vinyl, and that's all that matters to me. Because <laughs> right uh, that's uh, that is the jam. By like it destroys it, all you ever hear from Skid Row is the three singles off the first record. Yeah, I'm here to tell you, Monkey Business destroys all three of those songs, and then the whole rest of the record kicks ten kinds of ass after that. So I will get off my Skid Row uh, <laughs> soapbox now. Uh, moving on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> moving right along. Uh, Kyle, what kind of questions do you have? Um, out of all the jumping around that you guys did around the country and all the people that you talked to did, did anything like really surprise you or throw you off that you weren't expecting <laughs> I mean, we definitely I, my, my first answer my, my answer with no thought behind it is, is is no and that's just because we did a we did a ton of pre-production and and this is something chris knew and i didn't uh, filming is a lot filmmaking is a lot like printing in that like 90 percent of what you do happens before you turn on cameras you know mm-hmm. hire a crew like most of it is in most of it is in is in pre-production right um and then and then of course you have your period of filming which is by necessity short because it's the, it's the most expensive and, la- and labor intensive part of what you do uh and then you have a pile of footage afterwards which we had and then we had to spend we had to spend what seven years p- putting it together? Like no, no, no. <laughs> no it, only, it, only, it, it took it took about it took what four or five months to um, to. Yeah, it was a pretty fast process. Yeah, not, not, pretty, not, thanks to our editors, not thanks to us. Not <laughs> at all. Um, I think the thing that was the thing that was really surprising to us, which we did not realize, is we definitely like liked everybody we interviewed. Like, That's awesome. like we we wouldn't have. I, I I don't think. I mean, anyone who we didn't think would would speak eloquently on camera, we kind of weeded out in pre production. Sure, hmm. uh, we didn't count on liking everybody as people um, because we just we just didn't know. We 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 hadn't met any of them before we, inter- I mean, maybe one or two, but we hadn't really met most of them before we interviewed them. And we ended up liking them all as people. And the indication that that gave us is that record people kind of have something in common. Mm. Um, even even if they are very different in, 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 in all other demographic categories, record people kind of speak a common language. Yeah. And we felt like 
we could we could sit down and and, and jaw about records with any of these people for a couple of hours and and feel like we had really made a human connection with them, even if we had very little else in common. That's awesome. I, I don't think yeah, I don't think we saw that. That's awesome. I would, I would say in terms of surprises, uh, for me, like going into it, we thought we had a good idea, but you don't know <laughs> until sure. you actually get out there in the field and you start interviewing people. And even then it's just all raw footage and just conversations. And it's like, is this, is this going to pull together in any sort of way that's going to be interesting to watch? You know, cause everybody that we interview, we interview people for over an hour. Like we have so much footage with the people and we have to get condense it down into like 90 minutes. But the people that we interviewed that have been interviewed in the past about music in general and maybe records specifically, I, I think they were, were kind of like, okay, who are you guys and what are we talking about? And we had talked to almost all of them ahead of time, almost. Um, but, you know, they're like, I've been through this. I've done this before. I know how this is going to go. I know the questions you're going to ask. Yeah, I'm ready. You know, here we go. And not that, and they weren't dismissive, but you, there's a little bit of like, I've been here before. You guys are new. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But by and large, I can think of multiple interviews and they're all great people, but I can think of like Oliver Wong, who is uh, not only a professor, but also he has this podcast, Heat Rocks with Morgan Rhodes, who's also in her film. Um, and she's our music supervisor uh, with Ben Blackwell, Third Man Records with Billy Fields and Warner Music Group. Like, I think they were all a bit tentative when we began. And this is credit to Kevin as an interviewer, because Kevin did the actual asking of the questions on camera but by across all of them after it was done they were all they were all like champions of the project and immediately afterwards they were like this was great like i had no idea this is what we were going to be talking about wow you guys really have thought about this and you knew in different ways and we're like oh okay you know (laughs) That's good. And that was one of my things from a viewing standpoint, because as you might imagine, I've seen every vinyl documentary that there is. And in in a way, I was like, okay, well, I know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And uh, one point that I love that you guys really brought home in the movie is not every vinyl collector is trying to get you to get into vinyl because we all think it sounds better. There's a multitude of reasons to get into vinyl. And I really love that you guys brought that home because almost every documentary, there's a there's almost always a section of it that's like, and vinyl sounds a million times better, and we all think that, and that's why you should buy it. And for me, that's one of the last reasons to, to buy right. it. It's, it's not about yeah. it, you know? So I, we, I, I really appreciate that you guys brought that out. We actually, yeah, we knew we were going to ask the question, does vinyl sound better to everyone? Um, because that, when we would tell anyone, hey, what, what are you working on? Oh, I'm working on a documentary about the resurgence of vinyl records. Oh, okay, I don't have records. Does vinyl really sound better? That's like the very <laughs> first question everyone yeah. asks. Who has no knowledge about any format whatsoever that just asked that. And it was funny. Our editors were like, really? Like, do you really want to include that? I'm like, yeah, I really, we really want to include it because we had like, to your point, like there's just so many different answers and there's no right one. And some of my favorite answers in it were these people, more than one person said, well, better than what? Like nobody ever says better than what? Like, do we, are we talking CDs? Are we talking cassettes? Are we talking, you know, eight tracks? Like, yeah. Flag files. Like what are we, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and so, so it was really fun, you know, to hear all their answers. Like Kevin, what was your take on that particular question? Yeah. I mean, in general, like really specifically with this question, does vinyl sound better? But in general, like we did not come into making vinyl nation with a lot of hard and fast opinions. Like I think the, the one we had was, 
the audience for records is probably bigger and more diverse than it was 10 years ago, or else why would there be a comeback? Like, you can't have the exact same people just buying twice as many records to justify a comeback. Something, the, the, the customer base has to be growing somehow. And so who are those people? Like, that was the only, like, really hard and fast opinion we had. Other than that, I mean, Chris and I have no issue with documentaries that do have hard and fast opinions. But, like, we're not trying to, like... Raw, exonerate someone wrongly accused of murder or something like <laughs> right. that. Like we, we, we were, we, we, we figured more the purpose of making a documentary was to explore the questions rather than like walk in with an answer to them already. Right. And so like that one does vinyl sound better in the course of just doing our, our pre-interviews. Uh, we, we got 15 different answers to that question before we ever turned the cameras on. So, so we, we, we kind of knew that like, that's what the segment would end up looking like in the movie. Uh, and it was Chris Livengood, the owner of Ember audio, who was one of the, one of the featured people in our movie who I had actually known because he used to live in San Francisco and he sold me an amplifier before we ever started making this movie. And he sort of broke it all down for us when we had our, our pre-production conversation. And he's like, he's like, well, sure. Vinyl sounds better under the following conditions, but like, like here's the whole list of things that goes into making a recorded piece of music. And any of these can be done great. And any of these can be done terribly, you know, (laughs) and, and you hope more great than terrible, but that ratio, is basically going to determine if this particular recorded piece of music in any form is going to sound good or bad. Yeah, I, like strong opinions w- w- was not the idea here, and, and we didn't want to tell anybody who saw Vinyl Nation how to think. We wanted them to. We wanted them to come away from from our movie with their own experience of what records mean. Absolutely. What did you want viewers to walk away with from watching your movie? I think. Uh, well, when we went into it. We thought we were making a film about how the vinyl fans have diversified. We thought we were making a film about inclusion. Our editors quickly realized when we brought them the footage that what we actually had captured was a movie about human connection. Um, And it just happens to be around, around records. And so what I hope people take away when they see this film is, as we were talking about early on in the podcast, like if you're into records, I think you're going to be into this movie. But if you're not into records, this movie's for you, too. Mm-hmm. Like, and you, you, you probably will be into records after it's done. <laughs> but more than anything, uh, because it's a movie about human connection, you will connect with the people that are in our film. And I also, our editor said, we think if you put the 45 people that you interviewed in a room together, they'd all be fast friends, even though they had never met. And again, a big part of that is because they're into records, Mm -hmm. but they are very, very different people. And I think one of the best examples of that for me has always been the two people in our films, Rosalie, uh, who is a vice president with the Ms. Foundation and lives in, in Harlem and then and but is a huge and such a serious record collector that when she travels for business, when she could before the pandemic, before she goes to her meetings or her conference, after she lands, she goes to a record store mm-hmm. to dig because she doesn't want to miss the opportunity. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply opportunity for finding that gem that's only in that city mm-hmm. and she has the record collection to prove it and then dj cutmaster kurt and who's obviously been into vinyl ever since he was young and then is sampling and producing amazing stuff for like bc boys and lincoln park and his own uh, mixtapes and stuff like that but I, I feel like these two people on paper if you take away records are very, very, very different people. But because of records, they told us some of the exact same stories about digging and their relationship with records and their spouses and how, when they were looking for places to live, <laughs> the records was a really important part of that. And they were willing, they, the record collectors were willing to step back and say, no, 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 we're going to, I'll put my records away. I'll put them in storage. And it was their spouses who were like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, you could put them all up right here. Like we wouldn't get a place yep. if you couldn't put your records out. And they both told this exact same story. Yep. And we, and we didn't prompt either of them because like, why would we? And that was crazy to me. So to be able to cross cut those two things, it's like, see, this is the perfect example. Like we are all very similar. We just mm-hmm. don't realize it yet. And again, our movie is just, it's about records bringing people together. I so kid I you not. Feel connected. Where we're sitting right this second doing this podcast and where all of my records are over there. When my wife and I looked at this house, when we walked into this basement for the first time, my wife was like, and your records could go over there. <laughs> and, you know, and you could put stuff over here. And it, it, like when I, again, when I was watching the film, I was like, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See? You get, you guys briefly uh, mentioned it in the movie, but do you guys think that vinyl will be able to sustain itself as prices go up? for vinyl it's it's a re- that's a really good question and 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 I, I i we definitely address it in the movie and we are not fond of the fact that like one of the negative things that has come out of the renaissance of vinyl is people thinking well uh, it, it is music labels uh, I, I guess rightly for their bottom line thinking well you know what a spotify membership is 9.99 a month and we only get a little bit off of each stream a brand new record is $35, you know, like that's a, or, or because we say it's $35, like that's a, uh, that's a, that there's a lot more money to be made in brand new records. Um, the thing I, I take some small bit of comfort in, and, and I don't know if I'm deluded in thinking this, is there has always been respect for uh, used records in a way there has not for used cassettes, used mm-hmm. eight tracks, used used CDs. Um, the used record market is 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 a it, it may not register with record labels because it's all aftermarket sales, sure. but like the used record market is is as vibrant as it has ever been, and and even though the amount of product is uh, is is relatively stable, because as as someone we interviewed, but it didn't end up in the movie, says you don't get new used records. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I I really appreciate the fact that one can become a vinyl person still at a relatively reasonable price if you just shop carefully, used at your local record store or on Discogs. And, you know, like also if, if you want to start like in a very, in, in very shallow waters with very, with very like simple mainstream kind of stuff, 
Chris and I would talk to record store owners in this movie that say we still sell 15 copies of Fleetwood Mac's Rumors a day. Yeah. And, and, and then we would say, we would say, we were, we're pretty sure there isn't anybody on earth left who doesn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't own rumors. I'm yeah, like, neither I'm do I one, actually. But, I'm the one. Yeah. So. Uh, we may be it. But like, no shit. Like, I probably should buy, but every time I think, I'm like, I should leave that for the person who's going to buy it in five minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Doing no, the public service. Rumors is like Times Square. Like you go to Times Square and it's 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 sick crowded, or at least it was before the pandemic. And you're always going to have a moment where you're like, "Isn't everybody who wants to go to Times Square haven't they been already? Like, like <laughs> yes. hasn't that happened? Like it doesn't seem like a kind of place you have to go to more than once. So like, um, so uh, yeah. So I, I take I take some small bit of comfort in the fact that like you can still get into vinyl. There's no shame in being a used record person and 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 not ponying up big bucks for your for your favorite albums right away. Yeah, absolutely. As far as distribution of the film goes, I'm sure like everything else in 2020, plans were going along just fine for a wide theater release and whatnot. And then uh, the lockdowns happened, and I really like the creative way that you guys distributed the film to where it's still helping the theaters that would be showing the film. So how long is is that long term, the, the setup you have now where people can buy like a quote digital ticket and watch it that way? Or what's the long term for distribution well uh yeah so right now we're doing our vid- our virtual cinema release and so if you go to vinylnationfilm.com and you click where to watch you can find an art house cinema or an independent record store and we've got a couple live music venues in there too um who are selling tickets and yeah they get to keep 50 uh, percent of the proceeds from each ticket that they sell through that link and that's actually goes through the end of november uh through to november 30th and we launched our virtual cinema release right before the first of the three record store day drops we launched on friday august 28th previous to that like you said nobody expected the pandemic <laughs> so we had we had anticipated like uh, let's hopeful let's see if we could screen it maybe at a film festival in the spring we were hoping to do a summer road show and go back to a number of the cities where we filmed and have screenings at theaters and maybe have some of the people that we interviewed join us for Q&A and then in the fall have more of a, a traditional release either through our house cinemas or, or something like that and, and documentaries don't typically get wide theatrical release they're going to they rely on the art house cinemas to to get mm-hmm. their their movies out there so uh we we finished everything on this film sound mix color correction everything dropped in february 2020 um you know so a month later boom everything shuts mm-hmm. down yeah and kevin and i were trying to figure out like we were still playing in the roadshow at that point and then all of a sudden like this ain't gonna happen so we're just trying to figure out like what what are we gonna do are we just gonna sit on this thing and uh, kevin made a good point like this is gonna be weird if we just sit on this and like we don't know when this is gonna end and is it gonna be bizarre to like show this after the pandemic like for sure it, yeah we just didn't we just didn't nobody knows still nobody knows the future so we're just hemming and hawing and then one day i, I had a brainstorm and i called kevin and i said listen this is a crazy idea what if what if we get in touch with the record store day organization national and said hey would you help us partner with record stores all over the country and we'll make our film available for one weekend only and record stores can sell tickets and we'll let them keep 100 percent of the proceeds for mm. that one weekend is that something that you think your record stores would get behind because record store day is supposed to be the third saturday in april and it just got wiped right off the calendar and that's their biggest day of the year without that like 
a number of stores go under. So Carrie Colleton at Record Store Day, who we'd gotten to know for the making of the film, said, yeah, I think it's a good idea. And she put the word out to the record stores, and we had over 200 record stores sign up. Oh, awesome. And, yeah, collectively they sold almost $37,000 in tickets for that one weekend. So that was great. And and it gave all these people a moment to watch their, the film actually together separately. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of people watched it online and were chatting with friends or had their friends on phone or FaceTime or whatever to, to watch it together. We, we joined some live tweets of it and it was fascinating to just hear people's reactions and they just missed seeing each other at record store day, but it was a small substitute for it and it did bring people together. So we did get the human connection that we were hoping for. And so this release that we're doing now is more, uh, even though it's not traditional, it's a little bit more traditional where we're splitting the ticket proceeds, but we recognize like, okay, this time around, we got to support the art house cinemas in addition to the record stores yeah, because the record stores and the, and the theaters and especially the live venues that can't do anything mm-hmm. right now. Like we want them to be here when this is over and they're what make our cities and towns and neighborhoods so special. And if we're not even doing just something to help them, like we've just missed, totally missed an opportunity. Like what, what is the point of making this movie? So it's far from what we had hoped would happen. And also to be honest, like you're not bringing in the same crowds as you would, if you could bring it out to a physical theater. Cause you know, one ticket is enough to have a whole family watch. And that's great. In these times when 12 bucks is a lot to ask of some people to, to watch our movies. Right. So, Sure. I'm not worried about that as much, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just different. But I joke with Kevin, we're doing things in reverse. So we have a virtual cinema release and then we, and then we found out we got into some film festivals and we're like, what? So we're, we're actually playing at some film festivals now and like into the future. Like awesome. this is backwards. And then I said, so when it's all said and done, then we're going to bring it into the theaters, at least into one theater one time so that Kevin can see his movie that he made <laughs> with an audience of people. And I don't know when that's going to be, but we'll do it at some point. That's awesome. Yeah, we absolutely will. Oh, do, you, do you guys think that listening to music on vinyl or collecting vinyl in general changes the perceived value of music it, it, into it actually being art and not just something that you yeah, toss that you away and listen to, you know, flip, flip through and listen to? Yeah, it certainly has for me. Like, I, I wasn't someone who... I, I've always had, like, a really strong relationship with music. And I understand, like... Chris and I are not anti-streaming people. You know, we... There And there are plenty of people that we have, we both have in our lives that are rabid, rabid music fans and everything they own or listen to is on an iPhone. Like, yeah. uh, and, 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 but it, 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 and they have chosen to be rabid music fans and, 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 and consume music in that particular fashion. I, I think that we have both noticed because we both came to records as adults. Like we, we were a little too young to be record people when records were the only or even dominant way of listening to music. Uh, I, we both grew up in the cassette era, cassette merging into CDs era. But I think we've both recognized that stream that, that the system that works best for us is that streaming is kind of a prelude to buying something on vinyl. You audition something with streaming because vinyl yeah. is kind of an expensive, bulky way to, to discover things. And you audition something on streaming, and then if you like it, you say, very well, proceed to the next round. And, um, <laughs> and, the, next ra- and the next round is, is, is buying it on record. And that I, that seems to work really well for both of us. And I think the I and Chris has a Chris is an interesting story because Chris has kids, and so he has a multiple multi generational relationship with music. But 
I think even if you don't recognize it as such, uh, streaming is a bit like a utility, like like the electricity or the running water, where you you know you turn it on and you turn it off, and if it's there, great. And if it's you only notice it if it's not, but it doesn't require the kind of deep soulful connection with music or even the process of listening to music that like having a record which is a fragile object which is larger than your face which is like (laughs) black as the night sky when you look into it like like it just it activates four of your five senses i I mean you can eat a record if you want then it'll like five of your five senses but like um it just it, it operates on such a deeper neurological level that um i don't think it can help but increase your appreciation for music yeah yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I myself am relatively new to vinyl, and God, I, I, you know, I had hundreds of CDs back in the day, and I digitized them and put them in iTunes and did the whole thing that everybody did back in the day when you know streaming or digital music was new. But man, there's nothing like getting a record in the mail or going to to buy a record. Or uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I feel like I helped get you into vinyl, and yeah. then and then. But I feel like watching yeah. this documentary took you from oh about fifty God. to one hundred and fifty. <laughs> there were parts of the of, the, of your guys's film that like i literally had like goosebumps while i was watching it and that and that sounds weird but like it i don't know it was just awesome and to know that i'm feeling those same feelings that people have been feeling for a long time is uh it's awesome yeah the film really relays it Mm -hmm. yeah i I, thank you uh that's that's flattering i think one of one of the things that we got lucky with on our film was um we had no plans of filming and stoughton printing which is where they do where we show you how album covers mm. are made. Oh, yeah. That was um, awesome. The only reason, the only reason we filmed there was uh, Jessa Zaper Gray, who's in the film and is a consultant to the music industry, specifically around the production of vinyl records. We were in Los Angeles and she lived down in Orange County. And she's like, I'm just too far away from you guys. Can I suggest somewhere like in between that we could film? And we said, yeah, absolutely. She said, what about Soton Printing? So you guys can come out to City of Industry and, and we'll set up there. And we said, oh yeah, yeah, sure. That'd be great. And then we get there and we're like, well, wow, it'd be great if we could kind of film here. And then Rob, Mashon, who's in the film too, he's like, well, we're going to shut down the presses in about like an hour. So we tell Jessa, like, uh, can we just delay your interview? Okay, thanks. Bye. And then we just like, go through and just shoot all the stuff. And that stuff is gorgeous. And and it also just blew me away because, you know, we, we actually show it in reverse. The first thing you see when you go in is all the new uh, uh, printing presses and stuff are just real high end. And that's where you see like the Sergeant Pepper's 50th anniversary thing coming off the thing. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But what was really fascinating was the old style tip-on jackets that they still do. I mean, when you see it in the film, it just blows me away. There's this woman who's just kicking a pedal, which then releases the conveyor belt to move and then it stops and then she it's been the glue has come out onto it and then she just tips on the gatefold and then kicks the pedal and it goes again and she if you count it she's doing it in less than two seconds she's hand she's getting she's lining it up perfectly every time in less than two seconds and then boop, kicking the pedal kicking the pedal kicking yeah. the pedal that was amazing. And it's just so cool to actually watch that happen and then it just helped us go into this whole scene of like all the crazy stuff you can do with packaging and we didn't even film some of their back rooms where they just have like on display just some like absolutely insane uh, album covers and box sets and stuff like that. Like and like Rob said, anything you want to do, we'll figure out the way and make it happen. Like you want scratch and sniff, we'll do that. And then it's really funny how we got Mark Michaels to tell the story of Wayne Coyne of the Flaming Lip. 
record. And he's like, yeah, we'll do everything but put your blood in the record. And <laughs> oh, that's yeah. on you. And we're like, <laughs> and so of course, you know, we got to find that footage on YouTube and he's literally injecting records <laughs> with blood. Yeah. And it, you know, it's like, that's okay. That is insane. Um, but yeah, some of those things just, that was one of the few like, happy accidents for a documentary that was we had to plan every moment so it, i'm really thrilled. it provided me with another one of those uh hey that's me moments because i have dog problems by the format ah, and nice that was one I of them i thought you were gonna say you put your own blood in the <laughs> that's right. where i thought he was going with it too i was like yeah, what yeah. well i cut myself near that record once does that, does that matter but no i literally as soon as the young lady in the film mentioned dog problems i was dog like problems. yes 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 <laughs> i have that i have that and i and i do i love that gay fold i can show it to you guys later it's it's she, she mentioned it in yeah. the film. They show it the way it, yeah. you, know, yeah. you see the dogs underneath. Yeah. And uh, it's just a really cool, like, that was one of the reasons why I wanted the record was because of the way uh, yeah, that, that was packaged. And, and so they start, they used to do that stuff with CDs, too, when CDs were really popular. Like they, they would, the packaging would be special. And, like, that's yeah. part of what drew me to wanting to buy that particular, like, the deluxe edition or whatever. There was an Ozzy live album that came in uh, a speaker grill. Yeah, see, back when CDs were yeah, there, there's a Marilyn Manson album that the the cover or the the entire thing it feels like sandpaper. It's all textured, and I was like, oh my god, like this is amazing. Like, <laughs> it's just so cool to yeah. to have that and to to see that they do that with vinyl as well as uh, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, you've heard us gush about this film for I don't know, going on an hour now, and we yeah. we can't stress enough. Like, if you are a person who's even thinking about getting into vinyl, if you're a person who has no interest in getting into vinyl, this film is for you. If you just like documentaries. Yeah, if or you just like even documentaries. Even if you don't like documentaries, don't go in looking at it as a documentary. Go in looking, go in looking at it as them just having casual conversations with people about music yeah, and this, vinyl. And you, it's, it's, you know how, all, yeah, it's how ne- similar it, we all there's are. There's nothing trying to sway your opinion no. to, to convert all of your music over to vinyl or anything crazy like that. It's just... Literally, g- go and experience this, and and look at how many other people think exactly the same way you do about something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the name of the film is Vinyl Nation. The best way to learn about it is to go to vinylnation.com. It was brought to us by the directors Christopher Boone and Kevin Smokler. Guys, we can't thank you enough for uh, for making the time and, and sharing the film with with us in the world. Yes, that's been amazing. Yes, thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate it. And just to chime in, it's vinylnationfilm.com. Oh. Vinyl oh. Nation film. I will. I will make sure that we put that in our show notes and, yeah. and social yep. media and everything. All as well. Vinyl Nation film. dot com is where you're going to go to learn about that. Uh, real quick housekeeping for this show. Not only do we have this awesome episode that we're sharing with everybody, but one week from today we have got a barn burner of an interview that we're going to share with everybody, which is the son of Tito Jackson, which inherently makes him the nephew of King of Pop. Michael Jackson. Taj Jackson sat down with me uh, just a couple of nights ago, and to say that no topic. Was was taboo or uh, there were no questions that were not allowed would be an understatement. Uh, we, we covered everything that people are going to want to hear about. So we are going to share that the week after this one. So once you hear this episode, go to VinylNationFilm.com, view that film, and then get ready for next week because uh, it's going to be fantastic. So as we always say about this time, without music, life would be a mistake. We will see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Infectious Groove Podcast is hosted by Russ Robinson, Kyle Wimple, and Michelle Kosalecki. Produced and edited by Russ Robinson. Intro and outro music composed by Chris Kimmel. Opening credits read by Stacey Robinson. Recorded with a Rode Podcaster Pro and Rode Pod Mics. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.